Good morning, brothers and sisters, regular visitors and guests. Welcome to church this morning. Also welcome to those uh, who are joining us via the live stream. It's a real blessing that we can be together this way to worship God, who is our light and our salvation. It's our prayer that we'd all be comforted and encouraged through the preaching of the gospel and that God would be glorified by our worship. Consistory has the following announcements. Consistory as elders only will meet the Lord willing at 8pm tomorrow in the consistory room. And an attestation has been received from Sister Melanie Bosveld from the Free Reformed Church of Beldivis. We welcome Melanie into our congregation. And this morning's service will be led by Reverend Poppy. Before we commence, let's sing from Psalm 107, verse 1. rise and let's worship the Lord. As God's people, we confess that our help is in the name of the Lord who made heaven and earth. Amen. Receive the greeting of the Lord. Grace to you and peace from him who is and who was and who is to come and from the seven spirits who are before his throne and from Jesus Christ, who is the faithful witness, the firstborn of the dead and the ruler of the kings of the earth. Amen. Let's sing a song of praise to our God. Let's sing together from Psalm 1, the verses 1, 2, and 3.
As an act of kindness, the Lord has revealed his good law to us to teach us what he values and how to walk in his ways. Let's listen to the words of God's law as it comes to us this morning in Exodus chapter 20. And God spoke all these words saying, I am the Lord your God, who brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of slavery. You shall have no other gods before me. You shall not make for yourself a carved image or any likeness of anything that is in heaven above, or that is in the earth beneath, or that is in the water under the earth. You shall not bow down to them or serve them. For I, the Lord your God, am a jealous God, visiting the iniquity of the fathers upon the children to the third and fourth generation of those who hate me, but showing steadfast love to thousands of those who love me and who keep my commandments. You shall not take the name of the Lord your God in vain, For the Lord will not hold him guiltless who takes his name in vain. Remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. Six days you shall labor and do all your work, but the seventh day is the Sabbath to the Lord your God. On it you shall not do any work, you or your son or your daughter or your male servant or your female servant or your livestock or the sojourner who's within your gates. For in six days the Lord made the heavens and the earth, the sea and all that is in them, 
and he rested on the seventh day. Therefore the Lord blessed the Sabbath day, and he made it holy. Honor your father and your mother, that your days may be long in the land that the Lord your God is giving you. You shall not murder. You shall not commit adultery. You shall not steal. You shall not bear false witness against your neighbor. You shall not covet your neighbor's house. You shall not covet your neighbor's wife, or his male servant, or his female servant, or his ox, or his donkey, or anything that is your neighbor's. Let's now sing together. We're going to sing from Psalm 26, the verses 2, 3, and 7. Make confession of our sin and also seek the forgiveness of God.
Let's now pray to God and let's ask God for his blessing. Almighty God and Father in heaven, we come before you this morning, Lord, and we do so with much gratitude in our hearts. Thank you, Lord, that you brought us together here into your presence. Thank you that you're willing to meet with us. Thank you that the first words you speak to us are words of grace. Lord, you're a merciful God. You desire to have a relationship with us, and you've done what it takes in order for that to happen. I'm just saying together from Psalm 26 here, Lord, it's a song of David in which he confesses that during the course of his life, he sought to live with integrity, that he sought to wash his hands and to, to live an upright and a pure life, not to be corrupted by evil influences or the people around him. And yet, Lord, at the end of the psalm, he, he still prays for mercy, and he asks that you would ransom him. When we look at our own lives, then we realize how often the, tr- the same is true for us. In so many ways, Lord, we, we love you, and we seek to, to flee from anything that's sinful or evil. And yet it still happens that we're corrupted by our sinful nature, that we have these, these desires that are really opposed to you and to what you want for us. And sometimes we give in to that. And so, Lord, we, we seek to walk in holiness. We want to be righteous before you. We want to do what's, what's good and right in your, in your eyes. And yet we still find that, that, there is, that there's evil within us, and that we fall short in so many ways. And so we also plead with you, Lord, for mercy that you would show us grace, that you'd be kind to us, that you carry us into glory. Thank you, Lord, for the gift of your word. Thank you for the gift of your son. It's really through our Lord Jesus Christ that you make this possible for us. Help us this morning as we open your word that we may consider how rich we are in Christ and that we may respond to the gospel with joyful lives of gratitude before you. Thank you for for giving us this opportunity to be together as well with the rest of your people. What a gift it is that, that we can have each other as well. Please hear us now, we ask, and grant us our requests. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. <clears throat> so, brothers and sisters, this morning I get to preach God's word to you as we find that in Ephesians chapter 5. In the verses 7 to 14, the Lord calls us to... It's a walk in the light and to stay away from those who, who walk in darkness. And one passage in the Bible where the Lord really works that theme out for us is, is in the prophecy of Isaiah. So I invite you to open your Bible with me. We're going to read together Isaiah chapter 60. Isaiah 60, you can find that on page 736 of your guest Bible. So the the prophecy here, the context is that the Israelites are being sent into exile. They're going to suffer away from their land. And at one time, the Lord's going to restore them. That's the context of the prophecy here. Isaiah 60, verse 1, hear God's word. Arise, shine, for your light has come, and the glory of the Lord has risen upon you. For behold, darkness shall cover the earth, and thick darkness the peoples. But the Lord will arise upon you, and his glory will be seen upon you. And nations shall come to your light, and kings to the brightness of your rising. Lift up your eyes all around and see. They all gather together. They come to you. Your son shall come up from afar, and your daughter shall be carried on the hip. 
Then you shall see and be radiant, and your heart shall thrill and exult, because the abundance of the sea shall be turned to you, the wealth of the nations shall come to you. A multitude of camels shall cover you, the young camels of Midian and Ephah, all those from Sheba shall come. They shall bring gold and frankincense, and shall bring good news, the praises of the Lord. All the flocks of Kedar shall be gathered to you, the rams of Nebaioth shall minister to you. They shall come up with acceptance on my altar, and I will beautifully I will beautify my beautiful house. Who are these that fly like a cloud, and like doves to their windows? For the coastland shall hope for me, the ships of Tarshish first, to bring your children from afar, their silver and gold with them. For the name of the Lord your God, and for the Holy One of Israel, because he has made you beautiful. Foreigners shall build up your walls, and their kings shall minister to you. For in my wrath I struck you, but in my favor I've had mercy on you. Your gates shall be open continually, day and night they shall not be shut, that people may bring to you the wealth of nations, with their kings led in procession. For the nation and kingdom that will not serve you shall perish. These nations shall be utterly laid waste. The glory of Lebanon shall come to you, the cypress, the plain, and the pine, to beautify the place of my sanctuary, and I will make the place of my feet glorious. The sons of those who afflicted you shall come bending low to you, and all who despised you shall bow down at your feet. They shall call you the city of the Lord, the Zion of the Holy One of Israel. Whereas you have been forsaken and hated, with no one passing through, I will make you majestic forever, a joy from age to age. You shall suck the milk of nations, you shall nurse at the breast of kings, and you shall know that I, the Lord, am your Savior and your Redeemer, the Mighty One of Jacob. Instead of bronze, I will bring gold, and instead of iron, I will bring silver. Instead of wood, bronze. Instead of stones, iron. I will make your overseers peace and your taskmasters righteousness. Violence shall no more be heard in your land, devastation or destruction within your borders. You shall call your walls salvation and your gates praise. The sun shall, no more, the sun shall be no more your light by day, nor for brightness shall the moon give you light. But the Lord will be your everlasting light, and your God will be your glory. Your sun shall no more go down, nor your moon withdraw itself, for the Lord will be your everlasting light, and your days of mourning shall be ended. Your people shall all be righteous. They shall possess the land forever, the branch of my planting, the work of my hands, that I might be glorified. The least one shall become a clan, and the smallest one a mighty nation. I am the Lord. In its time, I will hasten it. So far the reading of God's word. Let's now sing together. We're going to sing from Psalm 101, the verses 1, 2, and 3.
The text for the sermon this morning is taken from Ephesians chapter 5. Ephesians 5, we're going to consider the verses 7 through 14. You can find that on page 1162 of your guest Bible. Ephesians 5, the verses 7 to 14. Hear God's word. So the, the context here is, in verse 6 there, let no one deceive you with empty words, for because of these things, the wrath of God comes on the sons of disobedience. The next text says, therefore do not become partners with them, for at one time you were darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Walk as children of light, For the fruit of light is found in all that is good and right and true, and try to discern what is pleasing to the Lord. Take no part in the unfruitful works of darkness, but instead expose them. For it is shameful even to speak of the things that they do in secret. But when anything is exposed by the light, it becomes visible. For anything that becomes visible is light. Therefore it says, Awake, O sleeper, and arise from the dead. And Christ will shine on you. So far the the text. Then after the proclamation of God's word, we're going to sing once again from Psalm 101, this time the verses 4, 5, and 6. Dear brothers and sisters, congregation loved by the Lord Jesus Christ, You may remember that a few months ago I had a sermon in which we were reflecting together on the nature of the way things go in our society. So many people seek to establish an identity apart from God. Remember the the thinking there, you're your own masterpiece. So edit your life frequently and ruthlessly. Be your own person. Live the dream. Do what you want to do. And if it's something that doesn't give you any satisfaction, then cut those people or cut those things out of your life. Well, it's in that context that the Lord gives us the amazing message that our identity is found in something far more foundational. God tells us that before the foundation of the world, he chose us. And since he chose us, he also adopted us into his family. We are his sons and daughters, and he is our father. And he says the core part of our identity is that we're forgiven all our sins for Jesus' sake, and that we receive the Holy Spirit as a deposit, guaranteeing a future inheritance that's in store for us. Your identity is that you are the people of God, that you belong to him, that he loves you, that he cares for you, that he's bringing you into glory. Well, since this is your identity, brothers and sisters, what it means is that you're different from most people in this world. Most people around us, they're walking down the broad road that leads to destruction. The road that leads to life is narrow, and only a few find it. And since you have a different identity, since you're walking on a different path, since you have a different destination than the people around you, the Lord says to you, He says, I want you to keep separate 
from the rest of the people around you. That's the core message of the text this morning. Walk in the light and do not associate with those in the dark. We're going to see in the first place the difference between light and darkness, and then secondly, the glory of walking in the light. So the context here for our text, brothers and sisters, is that in the first verses of Ephesians 5, the Lord warns us against sexual immorality, against impurity and covetousness, which he says is idolatry. And then he tells us in the verses 5 and 6, he says, if you do these things, like you can't live that way. But he says, if you live that way, then he says, you're sons of the darkness. And he says, my wrath is going to come down on you. And so he says, don't do that. You can't live that way. You can't be my people and give that darkness a place in your life. And then to make sure we understand how serious it is, the Lord goes on in the next verse, in the first verse of our text, he says, therefore, do not associate with them. It's not enough that you not be like them. God says, I don't even want you to associate with them. Now, you might think to yourself, you know, that sounds pretty extreme. What what does that mean? Does God want us to withdraw out of this world? Maybe you read the books by the, about the Amish. When we lived in southern Alberta, we lived with the Hutterites. We had a whole bunch of Hutterite communities around us. These are people who withdraw from the world. They live in communes, mostly of Anabaptist descent. Well, is that what our text is suggesting? Should we, should we withdraw from the world and should we live separate, like in a commune, something like that? Well, to understand what God actually says here, it may be helpful to consider the the verbs, the commands of our text. First in verse 7, there it says, do not associate with them. And the word for associate here, it means to share with someone, to be a partner or a participant. So really what God's saying here is he's saying, don't share with them. Don't be a partner with them in the work that they do. Don't participate with them in all the things that they do. And the context here is that Paul's talking to the Ephesians who live in this Roman culture. And it's a culture, we, we talked about that last time, they're, they're just caught up in all sorts of, of horrific things. The worship of false gods and sexual immorality. There was every manner of, of sinful thing was normal in society around them. Well, Paul says, don't, don't associate with that. Don't be participants with people in doing that. And he's more explicit in verse 11. In verse 11 it says, Take no part in the unfruitful works of darkness, but instead expose them. And the verb here, it means to serve alongside of someone, to help them or to take part with them in something. So he's saying don't, don't serve with them. Don't be partners with them. In 2 Corinthians 6.14, the Apostle Paul he makes a similar point to the Corinthians. But this time the verb is a little different. He says there, do not be unequally yoked with unbelievers. For what partnership is righteousness with lawlessness? Or what fellowship is light with darkness? What accord has Christ with Belial? Or what portion does a believer share with an unbeliever? What God's really saying in these passages, brothers and sisters, is he's saying you can't be a partner with someone who gives their life over to evil. If you have people who commit sin and who live in sin, you can't associate with them. You can't go along with them 
in the things that they do. You can't have any kind of intimate relationship and close partnership together with these people. Really what he's saying here is he's saying there's two kinds of people in the world. There's some people who know me and there's others who don't. And he's saying you're either one or the other. You're not both. And he says I want you to associate with those who know me and with those who love me. And it's quite striking that one time these Ephesians, they walked in darkness. Verse 8, For at one time you were darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. And it's quite striking. Paul doesn't just say that you walked in darkness, but he says the darkness defines you. At one time you were darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Well, if you are darkness, Paul, Paul talks about what that really means. You go back a few chapters, if you just maybe want to turn with me back to Ephesians 4. It's in verse 17. There it talks about what the life of these, these Ephesians used to be like. Ephesians 4, 17. Now this I say and testify in the Lord that you must no longer walk as the Gentiles do in the futility of their minds. They are darkened in their understanding alienated from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them due to the heart, their hardness of heart. They have become callous and have given themselves up to sensuality, greedy to practice every kind of impurity. Paul saying at one time, you Ephesians, you walked in darkness. You didn't know Christ. You didn't know the light. You didn't know God. You're ignorant of God because of the hardness of heart that you have. And he says the result is that you became callous and that you gave yourself over to sensual desires. Well, in real life, that's what happens, brothers and sisters. If you don't know God, if you don't have a relationship with God, what happens is that you put yourself in the center of your life. And if you are in the center of your life, then if it feels good, then you do it. And if you make that your lifestyle, and it doesn't take long, and your sensual, your sinful desires rule your life. Now that's the life, if you live that way, if you actually follow it through, then that's the life that leads to idolatry and to addictions. There's no intimacy. There's no harmony. There's no relationship for those who are in darkness. When darkness rules your life, then you become estranged not just from God, but from the people around you. Well, the Lord's saying, he's saying, don't associate with people like that. Don't go along with them. Don't be partners with them. Don't share with them. Don't help them. It's quite a, a calling. You know, the, the truth that stands underneath this, brothers and sisters, is that God says, you become who you're with. Quite a few passages in the Bible where the Lord talks about that. It's in Proverbs 13, verse 20. Whoever walks with the wise becomes wise, but the companion of fools will suffer harm. Or Proverbs 22, 24. Make no friendship with a man given to anger, nor go with a wrathful man, lest you learn his ways and entangle yourself in a snare. 
You don't want to associate, you don't want to go along with those who walk in darkness, because if you do, then you're going to join them in their darkness. That's the message here. That's the Lord's warning back in Deuteronomy 7, the first verses. When you get into the promised land, God says, whatever you do, don't make a covenant with the people of the land, don't intermarry with them, because if you do, you're going to become just like them. You're going to start worshipping their gods, and you're going to live in darkness. Well, you know, it's possible that you hear about that, brothers and sisters, and you think to yourself, well, I wouldn't do that. You know, I'm a believer. I know God. I'm going to walk in God's ways. I'm not going to let that happen to me. You know, you can think that. It's a noble thought. But the Bible tells us it's simply not true. If you want to see the the sordid history of the Israelites. The very first generation who made it into the promised land, they didn't wipe out the inhabitants of the land like the Lord told them, but they lived among them and they intermarried with them. Judges 2, the very next generation, after the people who came into the promised land, the very next generation started worshipping the Baals. They did not worship the Lord with all their heart, but they turned away from him. You read the stories of the judges the next 300 years and you see how this happened over and over again. The people more and more gave themselves over to associating with the people of the land and adopting their practices. Well, you get to to the time of the kings. First you have Saul, then you have David, a man who's after God's own heart. Well, then the wisest man, King Solomon, he does three things that God says you shouldn't do. God says, don't collect money, don't collect wives, and don't collect chariots. And Solomon did the opposite of all those three things. He got married to all these foreign women. We're told in 1 Kings 11 verse 4, When Solomon was old, his wives turned his heart away after other gods, and his heart was not wholly true to the Lord his God, as was the heart of David his father. For Solomon went after Ashtoreth, the goddess of the Sidonians, and after Milcom, the abomination of the Ammonites. Now we're told in the next places that he built high places for Chemosh, for Molech, and for all the other foreign gods that his wife worshipped. And he built these, these altars to them all around Jerusalem. It was profound darkness. You see the same in the history of the, the kings of Israel. You have King Ahab who gets married to Jezebel. She's a Sidonian. And she corrupts his whole house, his whole family. She corrupts the generations that come after that. And then some of those family members get married into the kings of Judah. One of the kings of Judah marries a daughter. And she corrupts the line of the kings of Judah so that they're not faithful to the Lord. When God explains why he sends his people into exile, 2 Kings 17 The recurring theme is that they compromise their holiness and their identity as God's people by intermingling with the people around them. If you think that you're able to get together with unbelievers, to join them in their darkness, and not be affected by that, and God says to you, that's simply not true, then you're a fool. You're going to come to your own destruction. Our father's telling us, he's saying, in the first place, he's saying, my people, you can't give sexual immorality, impurity, covetousness, 
a place in your heart. You can't do that. And then he says, you can't associate with people who do that. You can't go along with them. Because if you do that, that's who you're going to become. He says, take no part in the unfruitful works of darkness. You're my children. I bought you. I saved you. I loved you. I brought you into fellowship with myself. And I want to bring you into glory. So don't compromise your identity. Don't lose what you've been given. And so real life, you need to be careful who you associate with, brothers and sisters. I would say, in the first place, that applies face-to-face. We have some young people, for example, they hang out with others at uni at work. They go to the local soccer or cricket club. There are some unfruitful works of darkness that some of those people are involved in. It's easy to, to go along with people, to carry on with them. It's not a big deal. I'm a Christian. It's not like I'm going to reject my faith and turn my back on God. Yet how many people, during the time that I've been here in Southern River, how many young people have left the church? Exactly through these kinds of, of relationships, these kinds of associations. Now, for many of us, the contact's more indirect. Now, there's a time in our church we used to have conversations about the appropriateness of having a television in your home. Haven't heard many people have that conversation in a while. Maybe I could ask you, you know, do you have any concerns about influences that you may be picking up from your television? What kinds of attitudes? kinds of perspectives are you learning from your social media accounts, from the contact that you have with others? If you look at the games that you have in your stream account, if you look at the playlists that you have on Spotify, what kind of people are you associating with? Who are those people? What kind of influence do they have in your life? A few months ago, I had the sermon on Ephesians 1. I'd suggest to you that the attitude that our world has on us is enormous. Our world says, be your best self and do what you want to do. And if something's boring or tedious, then cut it out of your life. And how often isn't that our attitude, brothers and sisters? In how many ways haven't we become selfish and self-centered? In how many ways have sexual immorality and impurity and covetousness not impacted our thinking? How often doesn't it happen also in the church that there's a rejection of authority? How many ways are we not postmodern kids? You find it incredibly difficult to confront someone because the ultimate virtue in our society is that people can do whatever they want. You're supposed to tolerate everyone and everything. Well, I'd, I'd ask you to think about that and I'd ask you to have a conversation about it. How are you going to manage it, brothers and sisters? God says to you, He says, don't associate with people like that. Are you going to break off a relationship with a a boyfriend who's not a believer? Are you going to get rid of Netflix? Are you going to ditch your TV? Are you going to actually make an effort to not associate 
with those who bring darkness into your life? There was a time where we used to talk about the antithesis, about the division that God placed between his people and the people of the world. Doesn't seem to be in vogue in the same way these days. Have we lost something? It's in Matthew 24, verse 12, that our Lord Jesus Christ says, and because lawlessness will be increased, the love of many will grow cold. You know, that's what happened in Ephesus. Christ writes a letter to his church, Revelation 3, or Revelation 2. And he says in Revelation 2, verse 4 there, he admonishes them because they lost the love that they had at first. You know, it doesn't have to be that way, brothers and sisters. We don't have to lose our identity. It is possible to walk in the light to be children of light. We have an example of that in King David. We sang together from Psalm 26. I'll just read a couple of verses there. It's in verse 4. David says, I do not sit with men of falsehood, nor do I consort with hypocrites. I hate the assembly of evildoers, and I will not sit with the wicked. It's not happening. I'm not letting those people in my life, I'm not having them around me. I'm not going to consort with them. I'm not going to associate with them and go along with them. For Psalm 101, we sang the first part of that. I will not set before my eyes anything that is worthless. I hate the work of those who fall away. It shall not cling to me. A perverse heart shall be far from me. I will know nothing of evil. I will look with favor on the faithful in the land that they may dwell with me. He who walks in the way that is blameless shall minister to me. No one who practices deceit shall dwell in my house. No one who utters lies shall continue before my eyes. Morning by morning, I will destroy all the wicked in the land, cutting off all the evildoers from the city of the Lord. David made this concerted effort to protect his court. He said, those people who are going to serve with me in my court, these are going to be faithful people who love the Lord, who walk in his ways, who know what what he has done for us, and who serve him faithfully in their lives. And if that's not you, then you're not having anything to do with my court. Well, there's a reason why David was blessed. There's a reason why Israel was able to conquer the whole of the nation that God promised to them right at the very beginning. It's because he walked in faithfulness before his God. Because he understood that he was a child of the light. You know, that's really the calling of our text. It says, therefore, do not associate with them, for at one time you were in darkness, you were darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Walk as children of light, for the fruit of light is found in all that is good and right and true, and try to discern what is pleasing to the Lord. God says you need to walk as children of the light. And what that means in the first place, brothers and sisters, That means you need to believe in Jesus Christ. When Christ came into this world, John 8, verse 12, he said, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. If you believe in Jesus Christ, then his light shines into your life, and he makes you into a new person. 
It says you believe in Christ that he sets you free from the darkness. And that his light changes you. He calls it, he calls it the light of life. It is the life that he has that he brings into your life. And your life changes and you become this new person. In 1 John 1 verse 7 we're told, But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we will have fellowship with one another and the blood of Jesus his son cleanses us from all sin. If you walk in the light as he is in the light, then you're set free from sin. He cleanses you from sin. It has no power over you. Then you have this glorious freedom. There's no guilt. There's no shame. And then you have beautiful relationships with the people around you. If you walk in the light, John says, then you have fellowship with one another. Then you live the kind of life that, that Paul was talking earlier about. Then you have humility and gentleness and patience and kindness. And you speak the truth in love to one another. And you have patience, or sorry, then you have forgiveness with one another. And that leads to, to blessed relationships. That leads to a, a stunning life where there's so much energy, there's so much vitality, and there's so much joy. It's really interesting. Our text teaches us here that just as the darkness used to define us, now the light defines us. Once you were darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Now the reason light defines us is because of Christ. It's back in Isaiah 42, verse 6. God told us about the identity of the Messiah. He says, I will give you, as a covenant for the people, a light for the nations, to open the eyes that are blind, to bring out the prisoners from the dungeon, from the prison who sit in darkness. Christ is the light of the nations. He's come to open our eyes and to set us free from bondage. And then it's quite striking what our text does with this. It says, when you believe in Jesus Christ, that it says not only does the light shine on you, but it says, then you become light. Paul says in verse 13, when anything is exposed by the light, it becomes visible, for anything that becomes visible is light. Christ shines on you, and you become visible. People around you start noticing you. It's not just that you become visible, but you become light. As Christ lives in you, then people realize that there's something different about you. You don't walk in darkness in the same way as everybody else. You're not a part of the office, office politics in the same way that everybody else does. There's not all this gossiping and backstabbing. People don't, you, don't, you don't commit adultery like other people. You don't live the lifestyle that other people do. You're a light, shining in a dark place. Well, people are attracted to that light. When people see that, then they say, there's something about him. He's different. I don't know what it is that he's got, but I want what he has. And that's what, that's what Christ calls us to. Matthew 5, verse 14, he says, you are the light of the world. Let your light shine before others so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. Something very different happens when Jesus Christ is in you, brothers and sisters, when you walk in the light. Then instead of associating with people who are in darkness, instead of being partners with them and sharing with them in their wicked work, 
What ends up happening is that if you are in the light, then people who are in darkness come to you. They come to the light because they are attracted by the light of the glory of God. They want to have what you have. They want to be who you are. You know, that's one of the great blessings that we have in our church. We have many who walk in light. And as you walk in the light, then other people see that. They notice who you are. They see the impact of God in your life. They see who Christ is through you. And they're very attracted to that. And they want to share in that. And they want to be a part of that. And so they come into the light. Not to drag you down, not to bring their darkness to you, but to come out of the darkness and to share in the light of Jesus Christ. It's really quite amazing. It's in verse 14 of our text that the Holy Spirit concludes this section by quoting from Isaiah. He says, Awake, O sleeper, and arise from the dead, and Christ will shine on you. And you first read that over, and you kind of wonder, well, how does that fit, and what does that, what does that really mean? Well, it's a, it's a quotation from Isaiah. It's back in Isaiah 51, verse 17. The Lord sets the context there. He says, Wake up, wake yourself. Wake yourself. Stand up, O Jerusalem. You, have drunk, you who have drunk the hand of the Lord of the cup of his wrath. Sorry, from the hand of the Lord, the cup of his wrath. He's saying you need to wake up, Jerusalem. You suffered God's wrath, but now you need to wake up. Then in verse 16, verse, sorry, in chapter 60, verse 1, there God tells us that this, this new life is found in him. It says, There arise, shine, for your light has come, and the glory of the Lord has risen upon you. For behold, darkness shall cover the earth, and thick darkness the peoples, but the Lord will arise upon you, and his glory will be seen upon you. And nations shall come to your light, and kings to the brightness of your rising. Isaiah is saying, you need to wake up, people. And Akori is saying, you need to believe in the Messiah. And when you do, then the glory of God's light will shine on you. And then nations will come to you, and kings will stream to you. In the next verses, we're told about how many people come to Jerusalem, they come to Zion, they want to share in the glory that God gives to his people who are walking in the light. And it's actually really interesting, if you read through this chapter of Isaiah 60, then you see that Isaiah does here what he does in so many other passages, is that he, he tells us about multiple ways in which this prophecy is going to reach fulfillment. So first in verse 4, he shows us this is a reference to the Israelites coming out of exile being restored to their own land. Verse 4 says, Lift up your eyes all around and see. They shall gather together, they shall come to you. Your son shall come from far, and your daughters shall be carried on the hip. So your sons and daughters are going to be restored to you. God's going to make the land beautiful once again. But then the prophecy is far more majestic than just the Israelites returning from the exile. It's quite striking. In the next verse is there. It keeps talking about how the wealth of the nations will be brought into it. All these people from all these four nations are going to come to Jerusalem, and they're going to bring with them the wealth of all those nations. It talks about silver and gold. It talks about all these, these precious woods, all these precious things that, that are scattered around the world, and they come to Jerusalem. And you read those, this passage through, and there's so many echoes to Solomon. 
over and over again. This is a fulfillment of the kinds of things that happened in the days of Solomon. The people came to Jerusalem. And they came from Sheba. They came from around the world. They brought all the precious things that they owned. And they brought them to Solomon. They wanted to see his, his glory. They wanted to hear his wisdom. Well, Solomon is a foreshadowing of the Christ. The nations come to Christ. When Jesus Christ came down to this world, when he preached the gospel, when he shone his light to the people, then crowds, thousands upon thousands of people, they followed him wherever they went, wherever he went. They were drawn to the light. They saw the glory of God in him, and they wanted to share in that. And Christ told his people, he says, after he ascends into heaven, he says, I'm sending out, you out, as gospel preachers, so that my light can go out throughout the world. It is too small a thing for you to save the tribes of Israel. I will make you a light to the Gentiles, that many may come in and share in Christ. And so the light goes out today, brothers and sisters, and the Lord brings people in. And then the most beautiful thing is that this passage doesn't end just there. It's in the last verses of Isaiah 60 that the prophet tells us of the future glory of Jerusalem. He says in verse 19, the sun, shall be no, the sun shall be no more your light by day, nor for brightness shall the moon give you light. But the Lord will be your everlasting light, and your God will be your glory. Your sun shall no more go down, nor your moon withdraw itself, for the Lord will be your everlasting light, and your days of mourning shall be ended. Well, it's a reference to the end of time. In Revelation 21, verse 23, we're told of the new city, the holy city Jerusalem, that comes out of heaven from God. It says, and the city has no need of sun or moon to shine on it, for the glory of God gives it light, and its lamp is the Lamb. By its light, the nations will walk, and the kings of the earth will bring their glory into it, and its gates will never be shut by day, for there will be no night there. And then talks, God talks about the glorious future that's in store for all who walk in the light of Jesus Christ. You are the people of God, brothers and sisters. He desires to bring you into glory. He has sent his son, Jesus Christ, into this world to save you from the darkness to bring you into the light. And he wishes to shine his light in your life. And he desires that you may be a light to others around you. Well, to do so, he says, you can't associate with those in darkness. You can't participate with them in the things that they do. You must walk in the light. You must be the light. And then many people will come to you. And then the glory of God will be shown to them. And they also will be brought into the eternal kingdom. Well, let's pray to God for great faith in our Savior. Let's reflect the glory of his light in our lives. Amen. Let's sing together. We're going to sing from Psalm 101, the verses 4, 5, and 6.
Let's now call upon the Lord in thanksgiving and prayer. In our prayer this morning, we'll remember in the first place our brother and sister Ashley and Nikki Mulder, who could be married yesterday. We pray to God for blessing over their marriage. And secondly, we'll also remember our brother and sister Garrett and Melissa and Virgil and their family. Um, just happened uh, two days ago that um, Garrett's uncle, Brother Alf Lanestra from the Church of Mount Nazura, passed away. So we'll pray that God would comfort them um, during this time. Let us pray. Almighty God and Father in heaven, we humble ourselves before you, Lord, because we are those who were in darkness. We were darkness. One time we, we loved our sin, and we walked in our sin. We didn't know you, and we didn't love you. And the result, Lord, is, is that sin had power over us. And yet the, the day came where, where you wished to, to save us from that. You sent Jesus Christ into our lives. Through the power of the gospel, we heard about who Christ is and what he has done. And the light of, of the glory of Christ shone upon us. And we came into the light. Father, we come before you this morning and we renounce the deeds of darkness that we have committed. We confess to you, Lord, that we are those who, who still sometimes have darkness in corners of our hearts. There are places where where sin festers. And Lord, we, we acknowledge that before you. And we confess that to you. And we ask for your grace and forgiveness. We plead with you that you would show us mercy for Jesus' sake. We also confess, Lord, we haven't always been wise in the way that we've handled ourselves. You warn us here in this text that we ought not to associate with those who walk in darkness. We're not to be partners with them. We're not to have anything to do with them. And yet, Lord, the truth is that part of our hearts loves what they have to offer. And there's parts of us that are attracted to them. And so sometimes it still happens that we allow their influence in our lives. Sometimes we like hanging out with people who, who are godless. Sometimes we, we like being entertained by those who, who live godless lives. Father, we're, we're sorry for the sin we've committed. We pray for your grace. We ask for your forgiveness. We ask, Father, that you would give us wisdom, that we maintain an antithesis, a division, between us and those who walk in darkness. Give us your wisdom so that we understand what that's supposed to look like, that we're able to apply that to our lives. Lord, please grant that as we walk in darkness, as we seek the truth and walk in the light, that this may be a blessing for our children, that our children can learn to walk by the light, that they may learn who Christ is, that they can devote their lives in service towards you. We pray for our brothers and sisters in the church that we may be a blessing to those around us, that we can have a culture within our congregation where sin is not, it's not condoned and it's not tolerated. It's not something that, that we excuse that we minimize, but rather, Lord, that we may flee from it, that we help each other to, to walk by the light of your word. Father in heaven, we pray that, that you would please live powerfully in our hearts with your spirit, that we may be the light, and that we may shine in the darkness, that when other people see our lives, that they see Christ in us, that they stand amazed at who you are and what you do for your people, that they're attracted to you and that they want to know you. Father, please let our light shine and please grant that in this way, that your name would receive glory. We thank you, Lord, that, 
that you give us this responsibility and we pray then that we may live it out in our lives. Dear Father in heaven, we, we acknowledge we can't do that in our own strength. And so we pray for your grace and forgiveness for Christ's sake. And we pray for the strengthening power of your Holy Spirit to make it happen. Thank you, Lord, that you also put us in a federation of churches, that we have other faithful believers around us, that you also surround us with other faithful churches elsewhere. Please grant that, that as your people, we can encourage each other to walk in your ways. Dear Father in heaven, we also pray that you would be with those who are in darkness. Many of us, we, we have family members, we have friends, those who, who left your church, those who have never been a part of your church, and they're living in darkness. We want to ask, Lord, that you would bring them into the light. We pray for our children, for those who become estranged from you. We ask, Father, that you would please work repentance in their hearts, that they understand that that there is true life found in Christ, that they may be attracted to his light, and that they may have the humility to return to him once again. Father, we pray that you would give us wisdom in our conversations with others, that we know good words to say, to help and encourage them, to speak the truth in love, to extend your grace and your blessing. Grant that our, our conversation may always be seasoned with grace, and that in this way, that your name may receive honor also in their lives. We also pray for those in the community around us, Lord. We, we live in a, in a city where there is darkness. Please be with the people here in Southern River. Be with those in Armadale. Please grant, Lord, that, that as we preach the gospel, and as we have contact with those around us, that you would bring people to us, that they may seek to know you and, and turn to you in faith. Dear Father in heaven, we also wish to ask you that you would please help us in, in training our children to walk in the light. Give us wisdom as parents. There's so many boundaries that we need to set for our children, so many conversations we need to have with them to help them to appropriate their faith in Christ. Help us to, to have wisdom in doing this. But we also wish to pray for a blessing over the, the education of our children. We're grateful that we can cooperate together in this education. We want to ask for your blessing over the school, the schools. Please grant, Lord, that, that the teachers can can also teach the children to walk in the light. That the children are able to, to learn not just about this world and not just about, about all the things, the different subjects that they're taking, but they also learn that this world is your world and that they learn their place in this world and that they seek to serve you and to shine your light as well. Father, we also wish to, to thank you for the blessings that you've given to us. We're so thankful, Lord, for, for the gift of marriage that you've given to, to Ashley and Nikki Mulder. I want to entrust them to your throne of grace. Lord, please be a father to them, and please bless them in their marriage. Grant that they may help each other, that they may be an encouragement for one another, and build each other up in the service of your name. If it's your will, Lord, that you give them children, we pray that you would grant this gift to them. We pray that you would also bless them and their family, that everything may go well for them. Lord, we thank you that, that you have given this gift of marriage. We thank you for the blessings that we receive through it. Thank you that we don't have to do life by ourselves, but you've given us a powerful ally in our husband or wife. We pray, Lord, for, for us who are married, that you would bless our marriages, that we would help each other to know you and love you and walk in your ways. Give us a lot of love in our hearts for each other. Give us a lot of joy in our marriages. Please grant that if there's any distress or, or struggle in marriage, that we may have the, hate, the patience and the humility and the gentleness to deal with these things, that we can build each other up as you would have us do so. 
Father, we also wish to pray that you would be near to those who are grieving the loss of loved ones. This morning especially, we remember our brother and sister Garrett, Melissa, and Virgil, and their family. And please comfort them with the, with the death of Garrett's uncle. We ask, Lord, that you would please remind them of the, the promises of the gospel, that they remember that, that Jesus Christ is the resurrection and the life, and that through faith in him, that we can look forward to an eternal life. Grant especially when they, they have to bury his body, that they may be comforted by these promises of the resurrection. And then we pray for many others in our church as well, Lord, who, who grieve the loss of loved ones. Please be a father to us, and please help us through these times. Grant that you would comfort us with the promises of the gospel. We also pray, Lord, for a blessing over the rest of, of us and all the other circumstances of our lives. Lord, you know us. You know the, the different circumstances we're in. Please grant that we may live in, in faithfulness and in joy before you. We also wish to ask you for a blessing over the thank offerings that we bring to you on this day, Lord. We're grateful that we can have a collection now for the, for the mission work in Papua New Guinea. Thank you, Lord, that, that we're able to, to listen to a presentation by Brother Mulder about the, the work that's being done in the churches around the, the Bible College. Lord, we're so thankful for the message of the gospel going out and for people hearing the good news. At the same time, Lord, it's, it's so striking to see how difficult the lives are of those who come to faith in you. They live within, a, within families and within a certain cultural context. And there's so much struggle that they face in different ways. And we wish to ask you that you would be a father to them, that you be near to them and that you help them in the different struggles they face. We pray, Father, that, that you would give them wisdom in their family relationships, that you allow them to, to live out the, the faith that they have, that they may be a light to others, and that, that they not suffer so much that they that they're tempted to reject you and to, to turn their backs on you. Father, give wisdom also to the office bearers as they seek to help the members of the congregation to grow in faith. We pray that there may be a maturity of faith in you, that you would give a rich measure of your Holy Spirit, we pray also that you would bring office bearers into the church, men who, who have the spiritual maturity to lead your congregation to walk in your ways. Father, thank you that this work is ongoing. And thank you that you will accomplish what you said to do. The light will shine in the darkness. The darkness has not overcome it. Jesus Christ is the king. And he will gather his church. And that gives us our greatest hope and our greatest joy. Please hear our prayer now. Accept our thanks. We pray that you do it in Jesus' name. Amen. So, brothers and sisters, the collection this morning is indeed for the mission work in Papua New Guinea. Um, you're going to have the opportunity to give your collections at the door on the way out. At this time, I invite you to rise. So we're going to sing together from hymn 3, the verses 1, 3, and 5.
Receive now the blessing of God. The grace of the Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the communion of the Holy Spirit be with you all. Amen.